This week, U.S. Rep. Rodney Davis and Betsy Dirksen Londrigan debated over healthcare, the federal response to the coronavirus pandemic, and police reform. Central Illinois pet adoptions are at an all-time high, according to shelter and adoption center officials. More on these stories shortly. I'm Annalisa Trofimuk. And I'm Sierra Henry. And this is Lee Enterprise's Long Story Short. Every week, we recap Central Illinois news covered by Lee Enterprise's journalists in Bloomington, Decatur, and Mattoon. Today, we are starting with election coverage. Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris debated on Wednesday night in Salt Lake City. The debate was generally peaceful, with the exception of a few interruptions on both sides. We've shared across the three news websites a list of claims made by both candidates that were fact-checked by the Associated Press. Visit panagraph.com, herald-review.com, or jg-tc.com to check that out. Healthcare was the primary focus during an hour-long televised debate Monday between U.S. Rep. Rodney Davis and Democratic challenger Betsy Dirksen Londrigan. Monday's debate was presented by WCIA and Illinois Public Media. Brian Mackey, host of The 21st, moderated the event. Lee Enterprise's Central Illinois editor, Chris Coates, was a panelist for the debate along with Mary Hansen of NPR Illinois and Mark Maxwell of WCIA. The first of two debates covered a slew of topics, including President Donald Trump's taxes, systemic racism, and climate change, but references to health care and the Affordable Care Act came up multiple times throughout the evening. I put together a list of five takeaways, which can be found across the three websites, along with a full video of the debate. Early voting for Bloomington residents started up again Monday after it was temporarily put on pause for the week prior when the Illinois State Board of Elections found a glitch with the ballots. The corrected ballot now includes the 11th Circuit Court judicial retention races that were previously omitted, Kevin Barlow reported. Let's transition into some local government news. A public hearing on potential zoning changes to the One Normal Plaza planned unit development is delayed until an in-person hearing can be held under Phase 5 of Governor Pritzker's Restore Illinois plan. The Normal Town Council unanimously approved Monday to delay the hearing, which has been postponed several times since June, to allow for an in-person discussion. In other business, the council approved the town's bicycle and pedestrian master plan update and made a new appointment to the town's planning commission. You can check out my report at panagraph.com for more information about any of those items. The Mattoon City Council approved unanimously supporting a grant application for extending a bike trail west from 16th Street to 10th Street in downtown Mattoon. The city is applying for the state grant funding to implement phase two of the Lincoln Prairie Grass Trail Expansion Project, and if approved, construction could begin next year. Check out Rob Stroud's report at jgtc.com for more information on the grant application and project construction. The McLean County Board of Finance Committee offered a bit of good news this week, according to Pentagraph reporter Paul Swite. The committee reported Wednesday that the county's sales tax revenue increased 4.2% from a year earlier, despite businesses slowing down because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The September report reflects purchases made in June and showed the sales tax revenue was $471,495 compared to $452,511 in September of 2019. County Treasurer Rebecca McNeil attributed part of the increase to more people paying income taxes in June after the tax filing deadline was extended this year from April 15th to July 15th. Check out Swike's report at pandagraph.com for more information on the sales tax bump and this week's county board meeting. Bloomington Ward 7 Alderman Scott Black, who was elected in 2013, will resign from the city council later this month. 
Residents interested in filling the vacancy for the remainder of Black's term should contact Mayor Terry Renner by October 16th. Black's term was set to expire in April 2021. Black previously announced in June he would not seek a third term. At the time, he said he had a lot of transformative things on the horizon and could not commit to another term. Renner said Monday that he plans to present a potential candidate during the November 9th council meeting. All right, let's talk about education news. Sierra, what do you have for us? Heartland Community College shut down briefly this week after detecting a cyber attack Monday, according to Pantograph reporter Lenore Sabota. While there are a few details regarding the incident, college officials said an outside source had compromised some of its systems. Ironically, the attack came during National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is rather unfortunate. The college is working with outside consultants to resolve the issue, but Heartland is not alone in the situation as many colleges and universities are grappling with a rise in cyber attacks, whether it's malicious email phishing or attempts to compromise systems. You can read Sabota's in-depth look at cyber attacks on colleges and universities at panagraph.com for more information. It seems like just yesterday, Canadian YouTube personalities The Nelk Boys swept through Normal, Illinois. Nearly a month ago, the town of Normal and Illinois State University launched an investigation into mass gatherings connected to the YouTubers' presence, which were in violation of the town's emergency order limiting gatherings to 10 or fewer people around the university's campus to prevent further spread of COVID-19. Illinois State University is continuing its investigation, identifying students associated with attending the party, said Eric Jomi, ISU Media Relations Director. Jomi could not provide specific disciplinary actions taken against students, but said the university has followed up with close to 100 students connected to or identified as being connected to the gatherings. Normal Mayor Chris Coos has also said the town is not pursuing charges against the YouTube stars. You can check out my story at panagraph.com to read more about our conversation and get some insight into the issue. Southern Illinois University is offering free tuition to qualifying first-time students for the 2021 fall school semester. The university announced plans to cover any remaining tuition and mandatory fees for first-time Illinois students whose family's income is below $63,575 and who meet all eligibility criteria. The offer will be extended to first-time transfer students enrolling full-time at SIU for the fall 2021 semester or after. According to fall enrollment statistics, the program would have applied to 236 first-time students and 138 transfer students if it had been in place this year, according to university officials. But the university expects those numbers to grow substantially next year because the program could encourage more students to consider enrolling at SIU. To be eligible, students must be dependent Illinois residents under the age of 24 who attended an Illinois high school and have a GPA of 2.0 or higher with 26 or more transferable credits. Read reporter Molly Parker's report at JGTC.com for more information on the program and how this can benefit first-time students. A student from Mount Zion High School tested positive for COVID-19, according to reporting from Garrett Karsten. A statement from the Mount Zion Community Unit School District say efforts are underway with the Macon County Health Department to identify and monitor anyone recently in contact with the individual. Anyone found to be within six feet of a COVID-19 positive individual for 15 minutes or longer will be notified and placed in quarantine for 14 days, according to a Thursday post from the District Superintendent, Travis Roundcount. If you recall, a few weeks ago, we talked about a staff member from the same school who tested positive and had worked around students the week of September 7th, according to the Herald and Review. 
Reporter Valerie Wells wrote a story about a person at Argena Oriana Elementary School who had also tested positive for COVID-19, according to a letter sent out to families on Friday. Superintendent Damian Jones said the district would not identify the person or persons by department or grade level in order to protect their privacy. The district is working with the Macon County Health Department to identify anyone who had been in close contact, and the health department will notify those people. The Herald and Review has a statement from the district posted on their website. COVID-19 has changed how many people operate on a day-to-day basis, but many don't think about how it has affected hands-on education for those in the medical or health field. Dental hygiene students at Lakeland College have had to implement several precautions in order to get that valuable hands-on experience of cleaning teeth. This year, patients participating in the teeth cleaning program must complete a screening before they can get on campus, call before arriving at appointments, then go through another screening process for the building and dental hygiene lab. The lab has also gone paperless to prevent cross-contamination and is not using ultrasonic cleaning, which produces an aerosol. Patients can call the dental hygiene clinic at 217-234-5249 to schedule appointments. Cleanings are $15 for adults and $10 for children. Read Rob Stroud's report at jgtc.com for more information. We have a few bits of sports-related news today for you, so Annalisa, why don't you take it away? Sports reporter Matt Flotten wrote a story this week about a new turf field for Johns Hill Magnet School, which could be complete as early as next month. The project, which includes team dugouts, improved parking, and a concession and bathrooms building, is a partnership between the Howard G. Buffett Foundation and the Decatur School District and City. It is a part of the $8 million gift made by the Howard Buffett Foundation to improve the Johns Hill neighborhood. Reporter Joey Wagner wrote a feature on Christian Williams, a former Decatur student who is beginning his professional basketball career in Luxembourg. Joey writes that the former St. Teresa basketball star who started his college career at the University of Iowa before graduating from Indiana State University signed a professional contract with Telstar Hesperange in Luxembourg, the first professional contract of his career, but doesn't intend to make his stay in the country permanent. Williams finished his college basketball career in March in a Missouri Valley Conference tournament loss to Missouri State in a senior season in which he averaged 6.9 points, 3 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and a steal. He had plans to try to play in the NBA Summer League as a 6'6 guard, but the COVID-19 pandemic consumed the American sports world in March, canceling the NCAA tournament and postponing the NBA before ultimately throwing the schedule into a state of upheaval. Check out the full story accompanied by a video of Joey Wagner interviewing Williams at herald-interview.com. Joey also reported this week that Zach Rogers, a senior at Bement, won the Class 1A Moequa Boys Golf Regional. Sullivan won the regional as a team, with Monticello finishing second. Both teams will advance to next Tuesday's Tuscola sectional to end the season. St. Teresa sophomore Cody Dodson, Zach and Luke Rogers, Marshall's RJ Mattis, Villa Groves, Zach Busings, and Pena's Austin Carbach each advance individually. Read the full story at Herald-Review for a recap of the day's events and a video featuring Zach Rogers talking about the win. All right, let's talk public safety. Six Macon County residents were sworn in as court-appointed special advocate, or CASA, during a virtual ceremony on Wednesday. CASA provides court-appointed volunteers to advocates for abused, neglected, or dependent children in the Macon County juvenile court system. Reporter Donette Beckett shares more about those who were sworn in, and you can read about them in her story at herald-interview.com. All right, community news. Sierra, start us off. Angie Kelly, a Mattoon woman, was featured in the fall edition of Hungry Girl magazine. 
Kelly, an elementary school teacher in Shelbyville, struggled with her physical and mental health before making a decision to take matters into her own hands several years ago. In an interview with JGTC's Rob Stroud, Kelly details how she developed a fitness routine she enjoyed while preparing fresh and healthy food. Many of Kelly's favorite healthy recipes are from Hungry Girl, a nationwide brand developed by Lisa Lillian that shares recipes through emails, podcasts, social media, and more. The magazine recognized Kelly for her fitness achievements and featured an interview with her in the fall magazine. Check out Stroud's interview with Kelly for more detail on her fitness journey. A former local newspaper carrier wrote a march for the pantograph. Kevin Kaisershot, a professional musician and composer, put together an upbeat march in just a matter of two days to honor the history of the pantograph and the hard work by staff. Photojournalist David Prober and I had the honor of meeting Kevin on Friday, and we heard his story about when he began delivering copies of the pantograph when he was 14 and how his younger brothers were also carriers. Now, little did I know, but newspaper marches are very much a thing. John Philip Sousa wrote a march for the Washington Post. And from what I've found through research, the trend of newspaper marches kind of kicked off after Sousa wrote the piece for the Washington Post in 1889. Chicago Tribune has its own march, and so does the Louisville Courier-Journal and so many other newspapers. A recording of the march is available on our website, along with photos and a video interview with Kaisershot. We just want to thank Kevin so much again for his work on this piece and for supporting local journalism. Donette Beckett wrote about Decatur resident Richard Moon, who owned a 1975 Rep RST100 street model motorcycle for just a few months before he sold it so that he could buy an engagement ring and proposed to his future wife 24 years ago. Moon is now a paramedic and an employee for Shorts Furniture in Shelbyville. While delivering a mattress to a customer, he met the son of the late Joe Tex, the man who bought the motorcycle. And I won't give the rest of the story away, and you should check this out because it is really sweet. Something that I thought was pretty cool about this is that Donette references the original story written by Tony Reed in 1996 about this same man when this all started. Donette also wrote about Scoville Zoo in Decatur getting ready to close for the season. The Scoville Zoo will be closing for the season on Monday, October 12th, but the good news is is that it looks like the zoo staff will be preparing for the annual Boo at the Zoo scheduled to open on Friday, October 16th and end on Halloween night, October 31st. Tickets will be sold for each night of the event. Read more in Donette's story about what the zoo plans to do for the winter and future seasons. And this is the perfect segue into what Sierra and I are going to talk about next, which is pets. In each of the three newspapers this weekend, you'll find stories about how the pandemic impacts pet adoptions, featuring local shelters, and people who have adopted or recently fostered animals since the pandemic started. And our Bloomington version of the story, we feature comments from the Wishbone Canine Rescue Facility and the Central Illinois Humane Society. The Wishbone Canine Rescue is set to adopt out 600 dogs this year many of which were adopted through the COVID-19 pandemic as families are having more time to dedicate to fostering and adopting pets. The Decatur story features the Fruling family who drove from Bourbon A to Decatur on the night before the stay-at-home order went into effect, so March 20th. They came out to adopt their dog, Rudy, who has a cleft palate. They didn't want to miss out on getting their dog. They had been in the search for a special needs dog, and they went to Hudson's Halfway Home Indicator, where they specialize in care for special needs dogs. 
The Mattoon story features Becky Furry, who is a two-time foster fail, as she refers to herself, because on two separate occasions, she tried to foster chihuahuas through the Coles County Animal Shelter, and she ended up adopting the both of them. The newest addition to their family is Mitzi, who joined their family in July after being difficult to adopt out for just some behavioral issues, but Furry says she's fit into the family perfectly. And you can read more about her story at jg-tc.com or in the print edition of JGTC this Saturday. Now, Sierra and I want to talk a little bit about our pets because who doesn't want to talk about their pets? And I just want to start this with the caveat of if you have pet photos that you want to share with us of like funny photos of your pets during quarantine, um, or even if you just want to share moments when your pet was particularly comforting over the last few months, we want to hear it and we want to see your pets. Um, Sierra, let's talk about Baby Doll, your adorable uh, ragdoll cat. Who you adopted pretty recently. Wait, you adopted during the pandemic. Yes, I did. <laughs> Sierra, tell yeah. us more. So I have I have been planning financially to adopt a cat or a small animal um, right around June or July for several months. When I moved to um, Bloomington from North Carolina, that was something that I really, really wanted to do as I couldn't have any pets in my apartment in North Carolina. So um, the pandemic was obviously very rough on me coming in here and not having like a family or support system in town. Of course, my family lives in Southern Illinois, but that was almost three hours away and we were on total lockdown mm -hmm. I was talking with our editor one day on the phone and <laughs> we were go I told her about this and we just kind of started going through the um different adoption agencies and just kind of like looking at all the photos on the phone together and talking about the cats and one day I just was outside working on my laptop and I opened the Humane Society of Central Illinois who is featured in our Bloomington story and saw this cat on their website and I was like oh my god this cat is gorgeous I must have her she looks so sweet she just seems so friendly um, I put in an application her name is baby doll she is very sweet she is very loving and I feel like my mental health has improved a lot just having her there and um, playing at night and uh, keeping comfortable and, and lots of snuggles um, <laughs> so it's, it's made the pandemic a little bit more bear bearable in my opinion so wouldn't change it for the world so that's funny that, you know, your editor at the time encouraged you because when I was thinking of adopting a cat around this time last year, my editor, Allison, which is now both of our editors, uh, or who is now both of our editors, <laughs> um, was the one who told me. She encouraged me to get a cat. I didn't ask anybody else first. I, I think I sent a picture of my cat pretzel now, who was not my cat at the time, to Allison. And she was like, oh my God, you have to get her. And I was like, okay, you're right. I'm doing it. Um, yeah, not no regrets at all. Love, love it. And I'm not even a cat person. I'm a dog person, like through and through. But pretzel acts like a dog. She loves humans, but she hates other animals. But she is very much like a dog. So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Feel free to share your pet photos on any of our newspaper's social media accounts or tag us on Twitter. 
My Twitter account is at PG underscore Sierra Henry, and that's Sierra like Sierra Nevada, S-I-E-R-R-A. And my Twitter handle is at Annalisa Tro, A-N-A-L-I-S-A, T like Tom, R-O. Annalisa as in me. <laughs> Long story short can be found wherever you get your podcasts, including through Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. You can also find this podcast along with the reporting mentioned today and subscription information at pantograph.com, herald-review.com, and jg-tc.com. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to support local journalism, leave us a review and give us a rating and subscribe. Catch us again at 10 a.m. next Saturday for Central Illinois News Updates. Thanks again, everybody.